You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with special guest evangelist Joe Turnbull. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. I mentioned last week, uh, I want tonight everybody to give your undivided attention. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick introduction, but tonight I had it in my heart to let Evangelist Joe Turnbull minister to us. He literally had just a, a week ago. Yeah, give it up for Joe. Just a week ago, he just got back from doing a huge crusade with uh, C-Fan. And I know the Lord's brought so much uh, expertise and humility to you through uh, all of this. And he saw some crazy stuff over there and I really wanted him to share, but I did, I wanted him to know that whatever the Lord placed on his heart for the body tonight and what, everything we have coming up this weekend, uh, the Lord just really stirred it in my heart to allow him to minister tonight. So I just really want to just, uh, let's honor the gift of the evangelist on his life. And uh, I'm just, Joe and I go way back and some of you know that. And that's why whenever he's in town, we allow him to share a little bit because Joe and I, we, uh, when he first uh, gave his life to the Lord, we were immediately hitting the streets. The next, I, I, I've told the story before, but I, I just, one of my favorite stories is when we were, uh, there was one evening, we're out ministering at the Mitchell Ranch Plaza up in uh, Trinity. And when we were there, as we were ministering, we we're just going around and there was a huge car club. I mean, it was probably like, it was like 40, 40 young people uh, that were just all out there, a car club, doing their thing. And it was later at night. And uh, Joe uh, walks up and we're, we walk up and Joe's like, hey, who's in charge here? <laughs> like, <laughs> And he happened to ask the guy that was in charge. And he's like, I am. He's like, hey, I, I got to, I want to share something with your, with your friends. Can, you know, can, can I do that? And, he, and the guy whistles and, and gets 40 people's attention and says, hey, this guy wants to tell us something. Everybody listen to him. And you know, Joe had only, you know, Joe had only been like really going after the Lord for like, probably like um, two months, maybe like, or something like that. And like, so Joe pulls up his sleeves and shares his testimony, how the Lord's delivered him from, you know, crazy, crazy life. And just going after the things of the world. And he just, he begins to minister to these people. And all of a sudden you're seeing tears fall down people's eyes and I'm with him. And he just, once he got done sharing his testimony, he's like, all right, now my pastor is going to pray with you all. <laughs> so I was like, I, I was like, okay, ready in season. So then I tell everybody, I was like, well, what we're going to do right now is that we want to give you an opportunity. You just heard. And I kid you not, all 40 of them bowed their heads and said the prayer that night. And you know, it was so, it was so powerful because one of the tough, tough guys there were walking away. He pulls his, his, you know, his cool car up to us where we were and he's bawling his eyes out just saying, he's like, I've been running from God. He's like, you guys, you don't know what you did to me tonight. And I've ran into that guy like multiple times since then. The Lord's still doing a work, but he grew up in church and just was so bitter and he just had never seen 
such radical faith like that just come up. But when I when I, I bring that testimony up because Joe is somebody that always, you know, we have people in our body that do that, that, you know, they challenge you to just step up your game when it comes to being bold. And that's so special. So without further ado, can we honor Joe as he comes forward tonight? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what I love about that story. It was my favorite part is when I just stopped and I turned to Dom and I said, and he's going to pray for you. Because I didn't know how to, you know, I wasn't good at leading people to the Lord. I wasn't good at praying for people, but I knew what God did in my life. And that's all you need to do to preach the gospel is to share what God has done in your life. And you guys have such a great pastor. He's the one who taught me how to evangelize in the streets, you know, and he, he has that a little bit of evangelism in him too. You know, he's from the river, so he has to have it. <laughs> but um, man, what a great night. Man, I really feel in my heart that God is going to heal people tonight. I really believe that. I really believe that people are going to be set free. I really believe that people are going to be awakened. I also believe that people's eyes are going to open up. Because let me tell you something, the stuff that is going to be shared with you tonight and the word of God, the word of God opens people's eyes. It's just like Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus, he heard the Lord and he heard the word of the Lord and his scales, scales fell from his eyes. So that's what's going to happen tonight. So if, you ha if you're in pain tonight or you've been dealing with a sickness or you've been dealing with disease, um, if you've been dealing with any blood disease, I really believe God's going to touch you tonight. He's going to heal you tonight. And I know that even if you're already believing and you're in faith for the healing, there's something special here tonight that God is going to do and he's going to release it in a greater measure. I truly believe that with all of my heart. I just... The th hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I, like Dom just said, I just got back from uh, Tanzania, Africa. And uh, it was an amazing time. And I love last week how Dom shared the story about Peter and he's fishing and God tells him to do what's completely opposite of what's going on. And that's what kind of like the year 2020 was for me. I have traveled more across the world in 2020 than I have my entire life. I've been on three different continents. I've seen over 10,000 salvations. I've seen people saved, delivered, and set free. And I'm talking about just in Africa. We also went to the other coast in Seattle when the city of Chop broke out and they thought they were going to seize a city and take it over. And we went there with the gospel and we preached and we saw the same things there that we did in Africa. So the things that I share in Africa are for here and it's for now. Because there's nothing special about anything. Jesus is always open. That's what I love about Dom. The church is always open. I respect Pastor Dom because he is a warrior. He is a warrior. When every church was shutting down in the area, when people close to him were trying to tell him, hey, man, I don't know, maybe we should rethink this. No wavering. Every time I talked to him, no wavering. There was no wavering whatsoever in this man. And that's the kind of people you want to follow. People that don't waver. People that convictions are so deep that they come on to you. That's why Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He wasn't saying, oh, be like me because I'm Paul. He was saying, no, I've laid my life down to be like Jesus. Come and follow me. Man, and that's, that's what it was like this year. And you're like, how did you guys pull off a crusade with, you know, 30,000 people in the middle of a COVID epidemic? And I want to tell you something that God does show favor. 
he does show mercy and there's God loves to do things in certain times. And I, I don't, I can't fully explain it to you. I can't even wrap my head around it because every time I start to think about it, practically, I get confused in my head. Even when I came back here and they're just all like, Joe, Joe, you know, I sit down, I meet with people and they're like, you know, what's it like over there? Are people sick or what's going on? You know, I see all these people gathering. What's happening? I said, I don't, I said, I don't know. I said, all I know is that God has shown this country favor before the first flight. When I went over there, God gave me a, um, scripture it was in second Chronicles nine seventeen. It says the eyes, of the, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole world to find those who are loyal and faithful, faithful to him for him to show his strength. That was the scripture that he gave to me for this country. And what people don't realize is this, the president of this country, who he's, for one, he's hilarious, but he was a man of faith. He literally shut down the country for three days. It wasn't like, oh, I suggest you stay home. Businesses weren't allowed to open. Schools weren't allowed to open. And he said, we are going to pray and fast over our country. COVID was just hitting them in March and they shut down the country after three days. And then after that, all of a sudden, all the numbers went boom, down, flatline. Then he had the audacity when they sent his country the COVID test. Um, I don't even know what, what uh, thing it is. It's like the who people or whatever, World Health. They sent him COVID tests. Then he tests all the fruit. He tested watermelon, papayas, and they came back positive. And he said, not in my country. You're not going to bring fear in my country. You're not going to bring this disease in my country. And every person that I talked there, if I went there and I said, they would ask me, they're like, they're like, I'm like, do you guys have COVID? He goes, they said, no, there is no COVID here. As it was matter of fact. And they believe that the disease is real because it's real. But they believe the door that was open to the disease was fear. That's it. And so... Literally, the country of Tanzania got shaken because one man stood up and said no. He put his foot down and he fought. He didn't go along with what everybody was saying. That's what we need in this time is men and women who will fight. So we go into this country. Man, I'm telling you, the people there were beautiful. They were amazing. They were kind, humble people, people of honor. That's probably one of the biggest things I learned about people in Africa. They are a people of honor. And that is something that we lack in America. It's something that I lacked before I went there. And it's honoring one another. And that was just what just struck my heart and was so beautiful. But what was the craziest thing that I've experienced besides, you know, seeing thousands of people get saved is literally what happens is this, is that for three months we go in there, we organize the churches, we unify them, which that's a whole nother sermon in itself. And we get all the churches together. And then for like about a week or two before we just, we blast the place with flyers, with posters, same thing that we're doing here. And um, then all of a sudden they build the stage in one day and then evangelist Daniel Clinda comes in and he starts to preach the gospel. And I swear it's something that you've never seen before. I, I, I literally, I don't even know how to explain it, express it in words. But as soon as this man started preaching, even in the worship, you just start seeing demons manifesting in the crowd. And I'm not talking like, I'm not talking about just like people like, 
you know, getting angry. I'm talking like I've seen people fall on the ground, roll around. The first time I've seen it, literally a bicycle flies up in the air and like someone's like throwing it. And I'm like grabbing security because I think somebody's stealing somebody's bike and like somebody, there's about to be a fight that's happened. This is American Joe, like practically in his mind. And I'm like running over. I grab the security guard. I'm running out to the crowd. Next thing you know, this guy's just spinning on the ground in a circle. I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is a demon, you know? <laughs> and so they they pick this guy up and they bring him back to the tent. And that was just one of many. The one that struck me the most is this. And this is what's so powerful is that the first night uh, evangelist Daniel announces that we have, um, they're like barrels. They're barrels where we burn things in. And he announces anybody in this town, if you've been dealing with witchcraft, you want you to bring all your juju. I want you to bring all your idols. And the next night we're going to put them in the barrel and we're going to burn them. So people throughout the night, you know, they sneak by and they throw their barrels in. They don't do it in front of people and they, they do it in. And then my friend, um, Eric, he goes up there. And as soon as he announces, we are about to burn the witchcraft. Right to the right of the stage, this guy drops to the ground. He's rolling around in the dirt. I'm not talking like, yeah, people can get crazy. You know, you've even seen people roll around in the Holy Spirit. But this man stopped and then he started eating dirt. He grabbed dirt and he started eating it, chewing it and swallowing it, just grabbing dirt off the ground. And he's foaming from the mouth. And my wife looks at me and she goes, why is he foaming from the mouth? I said, I don't know, babe, you're the nurse. (laughs) And we're just like, so I run over there and we, we, you know, the team picks him up and I was like, I'm going to go with this one, you know? So we go back to the tent and he gets laid down on the ground. We start praying from this guy and he gets delivered of every single demon. He finally comes to his senses. He sees light in his eyes and then he's just standing there with dirt on his face and he's just smiling. He's all like, doesn't even know what happened. And this opened my eyes to what I'm going to be speaking about tonight is that there is a war and it's real. There is a war and it's real. And the war doesn't stop. Man, it's just, it's just a battle. This thing is a battle. Because as soon as I fly back from Africa, I'm like on an all-time high. I'm just like through the roof. I'm like, no, nothing can hurt me. Nothing can touch me. Just like, you know, it's like the first time you got saved. Or no, it's like the first time you got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't know what happened to you. People ask you, you're like, I have no idea, but I'm going to run through this wall. You know, <laughs> most women, you know, all you women are like sitting there crying. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Not all women, just, you know, some. But I literally fly back from the plane. And the moment that I land, I see that my dad's in the hospital. I was thinking, oh my gosh. You know, here we go. You know, I seen everybody get healed in Africa. I seen demons get, you know, set free in Africa. I said, here we go. I said, this is it, you know. And I show up, literally, I show up to the hospital that night. They're only allowed one patient in the room. They're like super strict and they're like making me, waking me, making me wear a face mask. It's the first time in like three months I had to wear a face mask. And I'm like, that's cool. I just got to go see my dad. And as I'm walking to the room, I see like these two nurses. They're like running over to his room and everybody starts making this commotion. And I walk up and I look right in the door and here's my dad. He's like freaking out on the bed, like with his feet up going crazy. And he looks at me, he goes, I love you. I love you. I love you. And like more doctors are rushing and like, you know, in in the natural state of mind, people would be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, like freaking out. But 
like Don, when he was talking to that guy, he said, you just have this peace in you. You just have this peace in you. It could be the worst situation possible. This is my dad who raised me, who bought me my shoes, you know, who, who, who came to all my games, you know, the man that I love, the man that's struggling, going through pain. And, you know, here I am like in Africa and I come home and here he is on the, you know, on the hospital bed, you know, freaking out with nurses coming in, telling me to get out there. And I literally just stepped back and I said, God, this is not a problem for you. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to sit down on this bed and I'm going to pray. And I went there and I sat there and I prayed. I said, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over this room. I command everything to be good, everything to be well, everything to be made whole in the name of Jesus. And 15 minutes later, the nurses come up to me and they're like, you can go see your dad now. I was like, I thought so, you know. <laughs> so I'm walking, I'm walking, listen, I'm walking into the room. And, you know, I just seen a guy eating dirt in Africa. So like nothing's phasing me at this point, you know, I'm just like, you know, this is nothing, you know, this guy's in a nice hospital bed. He's got a TV, you know, like we're, we're rocking and rolling. And he, and I sit down next to him and the ladies, the nurse ladies there is checking him out. She, he's like, I got to talk to you. I was like, what's up, man? He goes, you're going to think I'm crazy. I said, dad, I said, I was just in Africa. I saw a grown man eating dirt. I don't think anything you're just going to say is going to make me think I'm crazy. He goes, what happened was this? He goes, I felt that there was demons pulling me out of my body through my legs and my legs were completely on fire and I just couldn't feel them. And I was just like, okay. He goes, but then when I looked over, I saw your face and you were here. And I'm here to tell you that you don't even have to command anything in the room. All you have to do is be present because you're a son and daughter of God. And I don't care what's going on with your family. I don't care what's going on with your health. When you walk into a room, things change because God is with you. He is with you. You know, this isn't seven steps to cast out a demon. We're not putting holy water on people. We're not going through scriptures. We're going there with the presence and the power of God. And we're walking in a room and we're saying, now, probably not, probably not devil, not today. So two days passed by and he's still not out of that hospital. He had to get one of his toes cut off. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> I do that sometimes now because I was hanging out with the Catholics in Africa a little bit. So forgive me. You know, I was like trying to fit in. You should have seen me when I walked up in the Catholic church. <laughs> that was, that's a whole nother story. My knees still hurt, man. They got these like, like wooden things that you have to kneel down. I was like, these, these people need prayer. You know, and uh, anyway, so two days go by. My, my dad's blood pressure is at like 205, like 140. Like, man, it is, it is bad. He's on all this medication. He's on all this stuff. And this is the second time that I'm going to visit to him. And I just go in the room. You know, I sit down. You know, he starts talking about God and starts talking about the devil. And I'm like, you know, just ministering to him. And here comes the lady. Here comes the nurse. She's in the room and she straps up the thing on his arm and she starts doing his blood pressure. And all of a sudden, it's like 138 over like 76. And she goes, what is going on? And my dad looks right at the nurse and says, this guy's close to God. <laughs> and I say these two stories because it's parallel to each other because in Africa, we're seeing all these demons manifest and we're seeing crazy things happen because there's a lot of witchcraft. There's a lot of voodoo. You know, there's a lot of juju. But when you read in the Bible of what the spirit of pharmacia is in medicines, it's sorcery, 
It's the same thing. Just in a different method, in a different way. I'm here to tell you tonight, if you're on medication for anything, God's going to heal you. God is going to heal you tonight. Now, what I want you to do is don't walk out of here and be like, I got to get rid of my medication. Go to the doctors, get checked, you know, and say, hey, the doctor's going to check you. He's going to check your cholesterol level. He's going to check your heart. He's going to tell you that he's healed and it's going to be a witness to that doctor. How many times have you guys heard stories where people have gone in the doctor's office that had something wrong, they got prayed for, and then all of a sudden they got healed? Healing is made for a witness because there is witchcraft everywhere. I don't care. You really have to pray about the stuff that you take, the stuff that you put in your body, you know, vaccines that are are coming out. I'm not here to tell you what to do, what not to do, but hey, be listening. Only the Holy Spirit can tell you what's right for your body. I'm not here to preach my opinion. That's one thing I've learned uh, from evangelist Daniel Klinda and Reinhard Bunke is you preach the word. The Holy Spirit will give you his opinion. Preach the word. Preach the word. Listen to the word. The Holy Spirit will give you his opinion. But man, I tell you what, the battle's real. The war's real. I was struggling, man. The last time, the last time I came home, man, it was hard. You know, I called people. I called people close to me and I was like, hey man, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I really need you to pray for me. I was struggling. I was feeling a little bit of weak, you know, and everybody's like seeing pictures. They're like, yeah, awesome. Woo. And I'm just like, man, this is the craziest thing I've ever been through in my life. This is hard. And I was feeling weighed down. I was, you know, I was down and man, I was just like, God, I just want to make it through. You ever been in a situation like that? We're just like, man, God, I just want to make it through. You know, you've been beat up a little bit. Things aren't going right. Things are a little crazy. You're in environments that you don't know. That was, that was what I was experiencing. I'm just being transparent with you. I'm not like this crazy evangelist all the time, full of faith and boldness. Like I need help. I need prayer. I need a word from the Lord. That's the only thing that sustains me. I don't care who you're affiliated with, you know, who you're under, what, what organization you're with, because at the end of the day, all that stuff does not matter. The only thing that can sustain you is Jesus. And so I was going back, I was going back to Africa. This is the third time I was there for five weeks, came home for a week, uh, was there for four weeks and I'm going back, you know, came home just for a week. And, um, as soon as I, as soon as I get on the plane, I'm about to get off the plane. God whispers in my ear, man. I love it when he whispers, man. It's so good. He whispers in my ear and this is what he says. He goes, it's time for war. He says, it's time for war. Right then, you listen to that word, man. You let it hit you. Mind shifted. I said, oh, we're going to war. This ain't like this fun, you know, blissful, you know, eating lollipops, wrapping up cotton candy. You know, like, hey, the devil hates what you're doing. He hates what you're about. It is time to go to war. (sighs) Woke me up. Woke me up, church, because I was sleeping a little bit. You're like, what do you mean? You know, you're preaching in front of thousands of people. I was going into schools. I literally saw 5,000 students give their life to the Lord those three weeks. But I'll tell you one thing, man. You can get up there and you can minister, but you can feel empty inside, man. You can feel without strength. You can feel like, ah, man, something's going on. He says it's time for war. And I believe that 
this is a season that we are getting, this is a season that we're about to step into. It's wartime. It's time for war. Ecclesiastics 3.8 says this, he says uh, this. There's a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And I'm here to tell you that it's a time for war, body of Christ. There are things that are happening in the spiritual that is just so beyond us. It is getting so black and white that you have to pick a side. There is no more middle. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is not coming back with a bouquet of roses for his bride. When Jesus breaks through the crowd, the clouds, he is on a horse and a sword is coming out of his mouth. Jesus said, I didn't come here to give peace, but a sword to divide. Hallelujah. A sword. Man. Man, people preach the gospel nowadays. They, they want to talk about blessings. They want to talk about favor. And all this is true. Talk about the presence of God. And let me tell you something. It's the presence of God that keeps me going. But in this time, we need people like David. When Tom read both those scriptures, I was like, yes, the Holy Spirit's here. We're, you know, we're in line. You know, I can come back three, I can be in Africa for three months. I can get up here and pray, you know, during worship and just line right up with it because it's the Holy Ghost. And Tom's talking about David. We need warriors like David and Esther to rise up in this time. And many people in America want to be the David that's playing the harp. Jesus, we love you. You know, I'm the apple of your eye. Playing a harp, you know. Dancing naked in the streets. Hallelujah. Thanks for the visual. We love it. <laughs> but this is, this is the problem, though. Is, yeah, David, David played the harp. But before he ever played the harp, what did he do? He swung the sword. He chopped off the giant's head. The man went to war. He was a warrior. Too many people playing the harp, not swinging the sword. It's time. It's time. You know, David, he was a warrior. He fought off the religious spirit with the presence of God. But he struck down his enemies with the power of God. David was very successful. He's the apple of God's eyes. He was favored. Why? Because he loved Jesus and he wasn't afraid to go out and get the job done. He wasn't afraid to step into battle. This kid, man, like 16 years old, faces the biggest giant in the land, chops the head off, outrunning Saul his whole life, outrunning his son. David was constantly in battle. And you know when David fall? You know when he fell? When he wasn't in battle. When he was supposed to be. <sighs> successful, man. But you know what made David successful? He didn't win battles by himself. He had mighty men around him. Men of valor and men of integrity. We hear the stories about King David and we always preach it. But he had men around him. He had men around him. 
Second Samuel 23, it talks about this. We're going we're gonna to head there first. And if you get a chance, whenever you go home tonight, I love to read everything to you now, but I believe I just want to stay focused on what God has and what the word he gave me is. But the beginning of Second Samuel 23 is David's last words and the gospel's right there. It's pretty awesome. So check it out. <laughs> but in verse eight, it talks about David's mighty men. Because with every great leader and every successful person, there is great people around them. There is great people. A good leader knows how to recruit, knows how to take care of his people. And man, David's army, it wasn't a big army. They were outnumbered a lot. And God loves to do that. (laughs) He loves to put you in situations where you think you can't win because guess what? Then you call upon the name of the Lord. But these guys, man, these guys were, they were serious dudes. They made, they make, you know, Rambo look like he's nothing. You know, we, we watch movies today. We see like the movies 300 and, you know, we're like, oh man, it's just Hollywood. But like, this is the word of God and this is real. There was a guy talks about in verse eight, his name's Adino. And he lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. (laughs) I don't know how that looks. You know, we watch these Hollywood movies, we watch Rambo, you know, we, we, you know, we're like in awe, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, the one guy, he picks up the machine gun, is trying to kill Predator, and it's like, you know, can't even kill one guy, this guy's like, picks up a spear, this dude slews 800 men. You got a guy named Abishai who lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them. So we might say that Adino is just a little bit stronger, it's okay. We're not in a competition. You know, I can be very competitive at sometimes. It's hard. <laughs> then you have this guy, Benani. He's the son of Jehiel, who slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of the pit in the time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a, god, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. But he went down with him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand. And he slew him with his own spear. You're like, Joe, this is not possible. This is like Moses part in the sea. You know, what kind of man, you know, goes down in the snow and kills a lion? This is like the movie 300. Does this stuff happen in real life? Well, I'm here to tell you today that it still happens. I was in the country of Tanzania. We're driving down the road (laughs) and we see this tribe. They got like, you know, they all have these like red and black checkered things. And we're just like, we're just like, who are these people? You know? They're the only people in Tanzania that still are dressed up like Africans. I mean, there's a couple here and there, but like these people are legit. So we pull over and we start talking talking to them and we're like, hey, what's going on? You know, who are you? You know, what is this about? And, um, oh man, I think I almost forgot the name. No, I didn't. And they're like, I was, they're like, oh no, we're from the Maasai tribe. And I was like, well, what does that mean? You know, we're, we're from the Maasai tribe. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, what's your tribe about? You know, why are you still dressed like this? He goes, because from the ages of 16 to 19, and when you're in the Maasai tribe, you get, you get drafted and you have to be in the Maasai warriors. And in order to become a man in the Maasai tribe, you have to kill a lion. I'm just like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, it's 2020, bro. <laughs> we got guns, you know, like, let alone kill a lion. And I was just like, I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. And I was like, have you guys ever killed a lion? They're like, yes, we have. (laughs) 
I was like, can you tell me the story? I've never heard of anybody killing a lion, let alone with a spear. Usually I'm on Facebook and it's some like multi-millionaire getting ragged for shooting some animal, you know, like this is real life stuff. And they're like, yeah, they're like, this is what happens. Whenever a lion comes into the camp, you know, they have to ring the bell. Ring, ding, 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 ding. And everybody who is 16 and 19 in the Maasai warrior tribe has to run to the village. They have to grab their spear. And then all of a sudden, there's like 30 or 40 of them, and they start to surround the lion with a spear. And then the guy, this is what's even crazier. This is crazy. I'll tell you like the scenario. They kill the lion with a spear. And what's really cool about this tribe is that you would think like, you know, the one person who threw the spear would get credit for killing a lion. But actually, the whole, every, every man that was there got credit for killing the lion. That's just like part of a whole nother sermon we could go through. But, um, but this is what's crazy. The guy, he shows me his chest and he's got claw marks ripped down his chest. I'm just like, what happened there, bro? You know, didn't throw the spear fast enough. And they're like, no, no, we threw a parade for this guy, you know? And he was telling me, he goes, well, this is the strategy. If the lion comes and attacks you and we don't get him in time, you have to grab the lion by his ears. I'm just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. You didn't grab a lion by his ears. You know, we're, we're trying to like work our courage up to go preach the gospel at Countryside. Stop it, stop it. Stop it. It's a little flesh right there, you know? <laughs> so this guy grabs the ears of the lions. And the reason why is because if you grab the ears, he can't touch you with his mouth. It like literally, you know, yo, could you imagine holding a lion back by the ears, you know, while his claws are digging you, hoping your homeboy can hit him with a spear, you know? Thank God this guy was still alive, but I'm talking like radical stuff, man. There are warriors out there in this tribe. These men, Adino, Abashai, and Benani, these were David's warriors in their time. These are the people that protected Israel. These are the people that went out and took territory. These are the people that were commanded by God and with so much courage and so much just tenacity just kept going after and says, I don't care if there's 800 men. I don't care if there's 300 men. I got a spear and I got Jesus and everybody's going down but these these aren't even you know these guys are cool but i want to talk to you about this one guy <laughs> his name's shama everybody say shama there's a reason why we said that and i'll get to that but let me just paint a picture for you this is verses 11 and 12 i just want to paint a picture and there's some history behind it you know, one day the uh, Israelites, they were outside of the city. They were outside of the fortified walls and that's where they would farm and that's where they would do their stuff. And these people, they were out there, they were farming with pitchforks, you know, farming tools, hoes, and like just everyday ordinary people, just like you and me. And there was this guy, Shammah there. Thank God for Shammah. And they were all working in a pea patch. That's what a lentil is, it says in there. They were all working in the pea patch. And all of a sudden... Here comes, a, here comes a big shadow, starts to come over and they look up on the top of the hill. He, the, the Philistines are coming and they're on top of the hill and they're in this valley. Anybody who knows anything about warfare or fighting knows that, what, what do you always want? You want the high ground. But here comes the Philistines in the high ground and here is all the Israelites, peasant farmers, people like you and me, you know? 
And all of a sudden, they're just all like, they see, they see the Philistines are all like, they drop their farming weapons, and what they do, they run away. They're like, we don't care about no pea patch. We don't need no peas. <laughs> and they run away. But here's what the Philistines didn't know. There was a man there. He was probably retired at the time. He's a mighty man of David who fought with David. And he stayed. And these Philistines were like, who, who's this guy? <laughs> who's this guy in the middle of the pea patch? Because it says specifically in the scripture, it's in the middle of the pea patch. If anybody's ever been in a fight in here, I've never been in any fights. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not a fighter. <laughs> if anybody's ever been in a fight or been jumped, you know that the best thing to do when a group of people come and attack you is what do you do? Put your back against the wall. But here's Shama. Whew. He's a bad man. He's got a wooden stick. <laughs> this is a Philistine army. They come rolling down the hill. Here's Shamma in the pea patch. Knocking these dudes out cold, man. Knocking them out. It says in the scripture that he wiped out all the Philistines' army in this pea patch. Shamma. So this, all the other people thought, hey, this pea patch is not important. But Shamma knew something. If the enemy could plant... If the enemy could set up base right outside of the city of Israel, they'd have a foothold. Shema said, not here. Not here. The word Jehovah Shema means God is there. Jesus is there. Here's what I want to ask you tonight. Is Jesus in your town? Is Jesus in your home? Is Jesus in your country? Is he there? Are you willing to fight? I don't care how big the battle gets, how big the army gets, what's being said. If everybody's for, if everybody's against you, he is with you. See, many people would say in this time, we got to be quiet, guys. We have to be respectful. We have to show the love of God. You know, it's okay if so-and-so won. We need, to start, we need to stop arguing with everybody. I'm here to tell you something a little different. It is not time to be silent, church. It is not time. I don't care what you got to do. I don't care what social media platform you have to use. I do not care because the time is now. War is here. And the devil is coming against the church. And what are you going to do? Are you going to stand in your pea patch? Come on. What are we worried about? We worried about offending people. Passive Christianity is the reason why we are where we are because people didn't stand up. Because people were afraid to address abortion in the church. Because people are afraid to, you know, address homosexuality. Because people are afraid to address sexual immorality. We always want to elevate one above the other. <laughs> sin is sin. And everybody's saying, well, just be quiet. 
Let the, let the Lord fight our battles. The Lord is my defender. Let me tell you something. The Lord gave you a weapon. <laughs> the Lord gave you a weapon. Out of the whole armor of God, the Lord gave you one weapon. Mm, the sword of the spirit. You swing it, brother. Swing it, man. I saw you. Psh, psh. Kill it, bro. Love it. Love little kids, man. He's listening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gave you the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Because many people just want to get out in the streets and they just want to go punch people that are rioting and stuff like that. It's just, that's not how we do it. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers. But we use the weapons of our warfare, pulling down strongholds. In the word of God, when you speak it to somebody's mind, it tears down strongholds in their mind. And guess what? The battle starts to be won. You don't worry about people coming against you like, man, are you sure you're really loving someone? Man, I'm loving enough to tell them what the word of God says. We can't be passive in these times. We can't be cowards. Many people want to just talk about living in the garden. <laughs> Being in the garden of Eden. I'm here to tell you you weren't born in the garden. <laughs> you were born in a war zone. That's truth. Oh, people might be like, oh, but I'm born again, Joe. Jesus didn't tell you to get naked and go walk in a forest. What did he do? He gave you armor. He gave you a shield. He gave you a helmet. He gave you a belt. He gave you a breastplate. And you're like, man, Joe, I read this chapter and I don't know what has my back because nothing describes my back. But if you read in the book of Psalms, the glory of God has my back. Because when I go towards victory, when I keep defeating the enemy, I walk in from glory to glory to glory. And I leave a trail of glory wherever I go. I don't care if I'm in Africa. I don't care if I'm in Seattle. I don't care if I just step back in America. And I'm like, oh man, God really moved over there because those people are hungry. Well, let me tell you something. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. The devil's not going to touch my family. He's not going to infiltrate my town. He, I'm going to stand my ground with everything I got. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to say, oh, let him have it. I'm not going to give in to the enemy. It is not time for that. It's time to take territory. It's time to take it back. God gave us this nation. God gave us the church. God gave us freedom of a religion. Are you kidding me? People die for this thing, man. People died for it. Men back in the day in the Bible died for the gospel, for the lineage of David. You're like, oh, Joe, but I'm a son of God. I just live in his presence. <laughs> like, what? like, what, bro? Yeah, you're in his presence, walking through the valley of death. Jesus, the son of God, the first son, the last son, what happened to him? He got baptized in the Jordan. He got anointed. Ah, glory. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm ready to go. I want the blessings. I got the favor. What's up, everybody? I'm Jesus. Nah, man, God's like, now go to the wilderness, bro. <laughs> You're going to go fight the devil. You're going to go fight the devil. Jesus, the son of God. As soon as he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, as soon as he stepped up into leadership, as soon as he started his ministry, guess what? He had to go fight the devil. 
Man, in the first sign of any fight, many of us falter. I've done it a million times. Thinking practical. Thinking, man, I can't step out that far. I, gotta, I financially got to be there. I got to have this in order. I got to have that. And I'm telling you something, man, the more that you give God, the more he'll give you. So many people trying to protect their lives, defending. And you're like, man, Jesus, give me life. Give me life abundantly. Yeah, bro, he told you to lose it first. That's the biggest problem is like so many people think they're battling the enemy when the enemy's sitting back in America and he's laughing because guess what? We're battling ourselves. Self is the biggest problem. Selfish desires. You're warring, you're praying, you're like, you're dating this guy, you're dating this girl, you're like, God, man, if this is you, da, da, and you're, just, you're in this fight. You're like, she's crazy, God, what do I do? Give me understanding, give me wisdom. Yo, she's not the one for you. <laughs> I've been through battles, man. <laughs> Small ones, big ones, just on the way here, man, I'm driving, to, I'm driving to church. My wife's like, do you want to drive separately so you can be with the Lord? You know, you can be in the presence, you know? And I'm like, no, I want to be with my family, you know? Next thing you know, we get in the car right away. My little Julia, ah! I don't like the way my seatbelt is. And I'm just like, oh, here we go. Here's a, here's a war. I swear, this whole week, man, God gave me this message. And every day has been a war, man. And every time I talk to someone, they're going through a war. I'm just like, please, God. <laughs> After two warnings, you know what I did is I took around and I used the sword. I'm like, wag, wag. <laughs> Don't spare the rod. It's biblical, man. Don't be hating. You know? <laughs> She'll think twice next time. It's a warrior. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not a time to be quiet. This is so serious. This isn't even like, man, if this is your first time coming to church, you're like, man, this kid's crazy. You know, just be understand. I just spent three months in Africa with the Maasai warriors. You know, like, yeah, it's a little intense, man. I just went through some intense things. You know, I understand. But, but in all seriousness, it's intense here, man. This is intense, what's going on. Some of the things that never happened in, our, in U.S. history before are happening right before our eyes. And we can just look on Facebook, we can look on Instagram, and we can talk to our friends, like, can you believe this has happened? You know, can you believe this? Man, I, well, I really think this, you know. And we can get online and we can, you know, we can say something to somebody. But let me tell you something. Everybody has all these opinions, man, but where's the answer? We don't address the enemy. We proclaim the kingdom. We don't do that. We take territory. We preach Jesus. We preach the love of God, man. When we went into Seattle, man, these people were all looking at us like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? What are they going to say to us? And we're just like, man, we're just here to love you. We're here to feed, feed you. We're here to pray for you, man. Anything you need, man, we're just here. We even wash people's feet, man. We are in front of the the precinct that they actually took over and we're washing people's feet. Why? Because love kills, man. Love, man, is so powerful. Love. Love with truth, man. Man, I'm just like... I'm, I, I, I've come too far 
and I've God has shown me so much that I can't be quiet. There's such a stirring in me at this time that I can't be quiet. You know, when it's like, oh, let's just respect each other's opinions. Man, what about respecting the Lord? Man, Paul, man, Paul, he went through some, he went through some trials, some tribulations. He went through a lot of war, man. <sighs> Poor guy. He lived in the New Testament, couldn't fight back. He's just getting chucked with rocks, hitting his face, getting shipwrecked, getting bitten by snakes. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't take the sword, you know, and swing it. But, you know, he took his, he took the sword of the spirit and he wasn't afraid to proclaim it. And he didn't care what was going on. He didn't care who was who. He didn't care what king was in charge, man. I want to read, uh, I love this, man. This is so good. Acts 16, 37. And this is after uh, Paul, he gets arrested. You know, he's in a battle of his life. You know, like, you know, he probably just got beat up. He just got thrown in jail. He just went through, you know, tribulation. And, you know, we get upset because we can't, I won't even say that, but Acts 16, 37, this is, uh, this is as he's getting released from jail. You think, you know, he would use wisdom and just be quiet, you know, live to fight another day, right? Let's use wisdom. But here's my boy, Paul. Can't wait till I see my boy in heaven. Acts 16, 37, he said, but Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. This dude was wild, crazy, bold like you wouldn't believe. He just got beat up. He just got locked up. And the, the enemy scared him. was like, oh, you can go. Oh, you can go. Most people have been like, I'm out the back door. I'm going to go preach the gospel in the next town. But Paul's like, no, 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 no. You want to lock me up? You want to beat me up? I am not going to go quietly. Many people have been beat up this year. Many people have been through strong trials, man. I'm not going to belittle anyone's situation. Everyone's situation is different. Everyone's job title is different. Restrictions, everything hit people different. Praise God if you've been blessed and you've just been walking in it. It's not because of your great faith. It's just because God has shown you favor. And God didn't show any less favor to someone going through it. He's just, man, trials in our life are there to make us stronger, to test our faith so that we can show love to Jesus. It's just an opportunity for us to show him his love. But many people have been beat up. I almost felt like you've been thrown in jail, locked up. You know what the enemy wants you to do? He wants you to be quiet. He wants you to go silently. I'm here to tell you tonight, that is your time to speak up. It is your time to defend your ground. It is your time to preach the gospel, to use the sword, man. God will fight your battles if you swing the sword. God will fight your battles if you let the slingshot go. Co-labor, man. It's two ways. <sighs> war serious. You need people in war. You need people around you, strong people, man. One of the best things that I did when I was in Tanzania, Africa, wasn't seeing thousands of people get saved or masses of people. But, 
about eight weeks, about eight weeks before the crusade, the God spoke to me. He goes, you need an army. <laughs> he goes, you are trying to take a city for Jesus. You need an army. I said, okay, God, what do I do? He said, I want you to start a discipleship evangelist class. And for two days a week, for two hours each session, I would train. I had about 30 to 40 locals there that I was training up two days a week, discipling them, teaching them how to take back their, how we're going to take back the territory, how we're going to take back the nation. Why? Because I needed soldiers around me. That's the first thing Jesus did after he defeated the devil. He goes, I know he's going to come back for a more opportune time, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get my boys. And that's why he gave us the greatest commandment, the great commission. It wasn't so we could preach the gospel and see miracles happen and we could post it on Facebook and be like, man, isn't God good? The power of God. Hallelujah. Man, it's so we could love people. We could be friends with people. We could do life with people. We could lock arm and arm and go to war together. In the book of Acts, how did revival happen? Everyone sold everything and brought everything together. So they could be one unit. David knew this. He had mighty men around him. Gold Street Garden. We need mighty men and women around us. We have an opportunity this weekend to stand the ground here, to take back the territory here, to use the sword of the spirit here. This is our moment. This is an opportunity. Ain't nobody doing outreaches right now. Very few. But the ones who are, man, let me talk about fruit, fruitful. People are ripe. People are ready right now. They are scared. They are nervous. They're confused. The people that trusted in the government don't trust in anything anymore. But we get to go out in the streets and we can say, I know somebody who you can trust in. Come and see and taste that the Lord is good. But you don't understand, I lost this, I lost my business, I lost all this. Hey man, me too, but guess what? I got peace, I got joy, I got love. But you don't understand, I just went to the hospital, I'm sick. Man, guess what? I was sick two weeks ago, man, but God went to the service, man, I got prayed for, God healed me. Man, I'm COVID, I don't feel well. Hey, look, man, if you get sick, you can hit me up, I'll come to your house and pray for you. Not scared, not scared, fully convinced the blood of Jesus is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough. If you don't feel well, you can message me on Facebook. Me and some soldiers will come to your house and we will call down heaven on you. I promise you this. Man, it's because the blood of Jesus, mighty men. Paul walking out. People walking in purity, people walking in righteousness, people that know if they mess up, God still got them. God doesn't move or have great faith because we're perfected or we're so pure. It's because he already purified us. He already made us whole. Our spirit is just without blemish, covered in the blood of Jesus. And people are like, they hear those things and they're like, blood, you know, like last week you were talking about, people talk about blood, like drink my blood. You're like, oh God, that's a hard saying, you know, eat my flesh, all this stuff. You're like, what is blood? 
It's the best way I can explain it to you. I'm going to tell you a little story. It's a good story. There was a woman. She was driving down the street. She had her son in the passenger seat. And they're driving down the highway and all of a sudden the son does something and the woman slips down and, you know, she goes to get it. And all of a sudden she looks up, bam, it's a head on collision. And the boy wakes up distraught. What just happened? He's got, the boy has blood all over him, you know? And the boy's like checking himself. He's all like, there was no scratches. There was no marks or no, no anything. It's because his mom reached over, grabbed him, took the glass, took the marks, got cut up. The mom died. It wasn't the son's blood. It was the mom's blood. That's like the blood of Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins. He took the blow for you. He took the pain. He took the hurt. He took the suffering. Why? So you could step into a victory that you've never experienced before. And it's victory on the cross. Covered by the blood of Jesus. Who took it all for you. I just want everybody to close your eyes. Jesus is here tonight. He knows the battles that you've been through this week. He knows the pain. He knows the hurt. He's known you your whole life. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows every struggle you've been through, every bit of pain. And he's here tonight and he's saying, hey, I know you went through that. I know it was painful but I'm here. I'm here to love you. I'm here to save you. There's people here tonight where (laughs) you might think you're, man, you know, I don't really know about God. I don't really know about the devil. I'm not really on anybody's side. I'm not here just to pick a side. I'm just really here to live my life. You know, Todd White had that dream that one time where there was a man And he had the dream and, you know, he saw God and he saw the devil and he was on the fence and he was standing on the fence and he was given a choice to choose. He says, now I'm going to stay on the fence. Then all of a sudden God disappears, but the devil stays. The devil stays. And he looks at the devil. He said, why are you still here? He said, son, don't you know I own the fence too? We are either with him or we are against him. It's black and white. It's clear as day. So we either choose Jesus and we walk in it. Or we can let the devil take us away in the chaos. It's not time for you to be quiet anymore. It's not time for you to not pick a side and not be ready, man. It's here. It's now. There is good, there is evil, and it's clear as day, and it's affecting everyone's life across the world. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. And he's saying, which one are you going to choose? And it's so simple. It's just by asking, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. When I got saved, I didn't realize how easy it was. 
a man preached and he said, all you have to do is have faith. And if you don't have faith, just ask God. I asked God in that moment, he delivered me of everything, drugs, alcohol. He gave me clarity, he gave me a new life. He gave me a wife, he gave me kids. He's blessed me. All because of one choice, man. You can make that choice tonight. So if that's you and you want to choose Jesus, if you want to confess him as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is ask him in your heart and believe he is your Lord. If that's you tonight, I just want you to raise your hand in the house. And I just want you to just pray with me. We can all pray together. Just say, dear Jesus, I ask you for forgiveness for all my sins. And I ask you into my heart. I ask you to be my father. I confess you as Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. At this time, like, the beautiful thing about salvation is salvation and healing is like a double-sided coin. <laughs> you just flip it, it's the same thing. You know, when uh, the Pharisees and the lawyers and all came at Jesus and they were questioning him like, you know, who are you to forgive sins? The man with the mat, they asked him, who are you to forgive sins? He says, what is it easier to do? To say you're for forgiven of your sins or pick up your mat and walk? Salvation, wholeness, man. Healing is here tonight. God wants to touch people with diseases tonight. If you have blood clots, if you take medicine, if you have pain in your body, God wants to touch you tonight. He wants to give you freedom. And a lot of these times, things could be self-inflicted. But what I love about God is he's merciful. <laughs> he has mercy for you tonight. If that's you tonight, what I want you to do is if you need a healing, I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at. I just want you to stand to your feet. Hallelujah. God wants to heal people in this place tonight. Come on, somebody. Jesus is a healer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've seen him heal people. He's healed my life. He's healed me of blood diseases. He's purified me. When I was in Africa, I saw a tumor fall off somebody. It was crazy. I've seen it, man. And now what I want you to do is I want you to take a step of faith because there's something about activating. There's something about moving. There's something about saying, hey, God, I'm for real. I'm not just going to stand up, but I'm going to step into what you have for me. And what I want you to do is I want you to step and I want you to come down forward to the altar. Because Jesus has a special touch for you tonight. God's going to, he's going to heal people tonight. It's going to be amazing. We're going to go to the doctors. He's going to say we're healed. People are going to be so healed that... Tears of, tears of joy confirm healings. Hallelujah. 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 
as uh, Joe continues to uh, to minister, I I really sensed it on my heart that uh, the message that went forth tonight with the fact that I really believe that our eyes are about to get extremely keen on what is was going on, and I really sense that anybody that has just felt a little lax, like, you know, because the mess, the calls that went forth were sort of salvation and healing. But I believe that the call that needs to go forward right now before we go is I really believe that some of us without realizing, maybe it's all of us, because I know I was convicted tonight about just being lax in what we see. And when our eyes are open, as soon as our eyes are open, we immediately see, wow, this is what the enemy has been doing. This is what the enemy has been doing. And I was really, there were the, as the, what, the message went forth tonight and just so strongly, I just really sense, can we just all get in agreement right now? I actually, I really, uh, if we could, I, could everybody stand that's here right now? I just want to honor the Lord. And I really sense this in, in my heart. Uh, Ephesians 3. I want to read this, but I want you to receive this as this is literally God's word, so I'm just releasing his word right now. Ephesians 3. This is a prayer that Paul prays in verse 14. It says this: it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and amen. And right before, I want to go to Ephesians 1, 2 and read the other prayer that Paul lays out here. And just, just close your eyes and receive this right now. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he prays, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one which is to come. He put 
all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As our eyes are open tonight, as we receive this prayer, this is what I want you all to see, that we have to really understand the the times that we are living in and what you see is going to determine how you live. Do you understand that? What you see is going to determine how you live and you need to see what's really going on. You have to see in the spiritual realm right now in such a high degree, but this is how you do that. You know how you see into the spiritual realm? You look at Jesus. You look at Jesus because did you know that if you're looking at him, that this is what I really believe, that the Bible says that we look to him to see our countenance and to see what's going on. I really believe that as we look at his eyes, his face will show us exactly what we need to do. It's not that looking at circumstances gives us, but looking at him literally puts us right where we need to be. And I really want to encourage everybody tonight that when you pray these prayers over your life, can everybody start throughout the week, pray Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 over yourself. Sometimes people don't know what to pray. Well, you pray in the Holy Ghost, but make sure you pray these prayers. Pray them that my eyes may be open, spiritual understanding open. It's so important. And as Joe brought up, I just want to share that Jesus, did you realize how the devil really thought he had Jesus right where he wanted him? He thought that he was about to kill the son of God. He thought that he, he screwed the whole thing up. Even all the way back in, in Exodus, remember the Pharaoh was trying to kill all the babies and there's little Moses going down the river. Pharaoh thinks he's, he's getting... Not only was that little baby that Pharaoh was trying to kill going down the river, it was brought into his own, his own palace. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace. The very thing the enemy thought was going, he, the enemy thought his plan won, but he didn't realize that right under his nose, there was a remnant that was rising up. And you have to get this tonight, that, that we are, rising up in this hour the enemy thinks that he's the enemy thinks he's won the enemy thinks he's got things in the bag but he doesn't realize that we are looking at the lamb and since we are looking at the lamb i love this phrase and i'm, I'm trying to remember who said it. i believe it was eric gilmore but it was this this very phrase how many people want heaven on earth well if we want heaven on earth we have to do what they're doing in heaven what are they doing in heaven? They're, they're worshiping the Lamb of God 24-7. So if we want heaven on earth, we need to get our eyes so fixed on Him and get so prepared for what God is, is calling us to do. So how many people can be in agreement with us that we are that remnant? And I, Joe, can we thank Joe for bringing that word tonight? It is. It's... It's time. It's time for us to go to a whole nother level. Did you got some, Tony? Oh, I was just making sure. I guess if, if Tony's got some, I was going to let him rip. I was going to let him rip. But I just... can. Right before we go, can we get into faith over this Saturday? That all the people that come, that their hearts are going to be completely prepared. Salvations we are going to see. And I, I really believe knowing our team, 
people won't even have to wait till an altar call to get saved with this group of people. People just be showing up and, we, you know, all, we got all the kids preaching the gospel. It's going to be amazing. So I want us right now to get into agreement that this Saturday, 1230, when we're holding this event, that we are going to see massive massive breakthrough. We are going to see salvations. We are going to see healings. We are going to see people get completely set free. Amen. So let's start praying, saints. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that this Saturday, that when we do this outreach, Lord, we are going to see such a harvest, Lord. Father, I just break every distraction. Father, we come against any scheme of the enemy that's trying to hold people back from coming. That, Lord, we thank you that this Saturday is a divine encounter that we are going to see the hand of God move swiftly over lives. We thank you that strongholds are going to be broken in the name of Jesus. We thank you that enemies, the enemy is going to go scurrying in every direction because of the power and love of God going forth in great magnitude. We thank you for salvations, salvations, salvations. We thank you. We thank you that the prodigal sons and daughters are going to come home. We thank you that that, pe that parents that have been praying for their children, that this event will be the answer to their prayers, that there is going to be such glory and that the angels are going to rejoice in great abundance because a thousand angels celebrate over just one soul. We are going to see hundreds, Lord, and it's just the beginning because we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Jesus. 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 Everybody that has their own business in here, just, I, I sense an anointing on businesses right now. I just sense it in my heart. They're, the Lord, ooh, this is big. The harvest is so big. The harvest is so big that I've been hearing these two phrases in my heart. Bigger nets, it's time to get the job done. I, strong, there is an anointing here for businesses tonight. There is wisdom that is about to get poured out. I just want to pray over the businesses. And can we just get into agreement? If, if you raise your hands again, anybody that's near them, just stick a hand on these men and women. If you're near them, there is such an anointing that's being released tonight for businesses because the Lord is about to bring the wealth of the wicked majorly into the kingdom of God for the harvest, for things that we're about to see. Lord, I thank you. And let's begin to pray, saints. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for these businesses. Lord, I thank you that you would anoint these men and women with such wisdom. We ask for such wisdom right now that, Lord, that they would not operate based off the way the world operates but that before they make decisions, that they would seek your face and that their counsel would be supernatural. It would not just be 
a Google search. It would not just be comparing prices, but there is going to be such a whisper of heaven over these businesses, over what God is doing, because it's time for war, and we need to make sure that the war is funded, that there is things going forth, and God is bringing resources into the kingdom of God. Can we just thank the Lord right now? I just really, let's thank Him. Let's thank Him. Let's thank Him. I, I, I want to I prophesy, I strongly believe that this week, that there's going to be noticeable difference in these, you're going to get phone calls this week. You're going to have things that are going to seem out of the ordinary and the Lord is going to give you wisdom. You need to be ready, but the way that it's not just anticipating it, keep your eyes on Jesus and just watch that when that phone picks up, the Holy Spirit's going to speak through you. You're going to have the wisdom that you need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we love you all so much. So this Saturday, Outreach, Please, we could use all the help we can get. And then plus, we just want you to be here so you can see the enemy get his butt kicked. Amen. This Saturday. And then and then this weekend, we start Sunday night with the conference. because, And we're going to be witnessing at the mall and, uh, you know, let, beating up lions and stuff like Joe said. So come with us. It's going to be great. We love y'all. Joe, thank you so much again. We'll see you this Saturday. God bless.